welcome back to Kind of Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan. I'm your host. And on Kind of Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Y'all, I've been busy since I last saw you. Less traumatic than my last episode. If you'll recall, last episode, I had had a lot of needles in my face, on my body. My dog got in a fight with a raccoon. So not as eventful, but I feel like I've been very go, 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 and honestly probably drinking too much. Um, This past weekend, my best friend Elena came into town from New York, and it was fun because she hadn't been here since like pre-pandemic. So I feel like a lot of things had changed over that time, and it's always fun seeing your city through someone else's eyes, and I love kind of playing tourist in my own town. So we had the best time. We went to this uh, evening on Antigro is what it's called and it's this event that's held right by my house so we were able to walk to it and it's so like bougie very Palm Beachy vibes um, Mitt Romney was there which I'm not gonna say that was a sleigh or anything I didn't see him I found out afterwards when I was looking at photos from the event I was like oh interesting uh, clientele <laughs> I always revert back to like my college self when I'm with her and decided it was a good idea to sing karaoke. Uh, she went into a bar, sang the karaoke. It was We did Mamma Mia. I did it with my sister. It was quite embarrassing, but I've really been trying to adopt the mantra lately that things are only embarrassing if you let them be embarrassing, right? Like I can just delude myself into saying like, no, that wasn't embarrassing. Like if it doesn't embarrass you, if you don't let it, then it's not. So that is the mantra I'm trying to go into 2023 with. But objectively, it was a little embarrassing. Speaking of singing and karaoke, next week is the Taylor Swift concert. I'm going to her first night in Tampa and I've been having a crisis over what to wear to this because I was like, I want something cool, something vintage, like something unique that other people are not going to have because people have been so creative with their outfits and I just feel like it gets to the point where everything feels overdone because just the sheer amount of people that are going to these concerts. And I'm very much like a girly girl. Like I definitely did not want reputation. I wanted something frothy, milkshake, dreamlike. Like I wanted a speak now, a lover, you know, something in that era, even a fearless. In 1989, my favorite albums are fearless in 1989, but and lover's not even at the top of my list, but I just felt like the lover aesthetic really spoke to me. It's very cloud-like, very pastel. And, you know, I love thrift shopping, but a lot of times I just feel like everything is so small, like especially if it's from, you know, the 60s or the 70s. And I'm just not that small. And the titties are not going to fit in like a little tiny top. Like that's a lot of times my problem is that I just that sounds so pick me girl to say that. Like, oh, my boobs are just so massive. They're falling out. Like, no, I'm, I'm not like it's not like I have this tiny waist and these huge boobs or anything. It's just that my boobs do kind of take up a lot of room in a shirt. You know, I'm sure like a lot of you can relate. And a lot of times things that are not necessarily meant to look provocative end up looking provocative just by the mere fact that I have fairly big boobs. So anyways, my worst fear came to fruition. (laughs) That I ended up just having to buy something off of Nordstrom that I'm sure a million other people will have. And I don't even know if it's going to fit. Honestly, like I I bought it. It's getting here on Tuesday. I'm leaving for the concert on Thursday. And I don't have a backup. And it's really distressing to me. And I know it's not a big deal. Like I know that. But I am someone who likes to dress to theme. And the fact that I don't have something in concrete that I'm going to wear is distressing. And again, I just know you guys are my people. And this is something that you will also relate to. 
Speaking of Taylor, can we talk about how it's now confirmed that she enters her concert set in a custodian box thing? So it's this big box and it literally has like mop handles glued to the top to make it look like it's just mops hanging out of it. And a lot of people had suspicions that this is how she enters the stage because it's a common thing with um, artists when they are performing at a stage in the middle and they have no way to enter and exit the stage without you know, showing themselves, they will go inside a box. Harry Styles did this. It was confirmed because he posted a picture of him inside his little box that he gets rolled out in. So Taylor's is very tall. So she's clearly standing up in it. Harry would like crouch down in his. And like I said, it has the mops glued to the top and people had suspicions. But then people who were sitting backstage finally got confirmation that she's in this because they were able to get a clip of her exiting the box and walking out. But it's just hilarious to me because it never looked realistic. Like the mops looked so fake sticking out of the top of it. But I appreciate that they were like, yeah, like we're going to try. We're going to try to have this illusion. <laughs> and I mean, even the fact that there was security guards around this box kind of was a tell because, you know, no security guard's going to be worried about the mops, right? So I love it though. I think you, you kind of have to maintain the mystery when you don't want to show yourself before it's time for you to make your grand entrance. So she's got to do what she's got to do. But I'm interested to see now if she's going to change into some other method since now everyone knows or if she's just going to be kind of in on the joke because now she realizes that everyone knows that's how she's coming out. So you better believe I will be keeping an eye out for that little custodian cart and I'm going to try to snap a picture because it's becoming the star of the show. Have you all seen the trailer for the new Barbie movie yet? I am amped. Just like everyone else in the world, I feel like I am so amped for that movie. I loved the previous teaser trailer that they released, but this one feels like we're getting a much bigger glimpse of more characters in the movie. We're seeing so many of the other Barbies like Issa Rae, Dua Lipa, Kate McKinnon. We see the Kins. We see Alan, who's played as by Michael Sarah. Simu Liu plays one of the Kins. Of course, Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie play like the quote unquote main Barbies. And it just looks like a frothy, delicious milkshake delight. Like I was saying, that is the vibe of the Barbie movie is how I wanted to come into the Taylor Swift concert. It is just so visually stunning. I think they are very much intentionally uh, disguising what the plot of this movie is going to be, which makes me think that it's either going to have like a very dramatic twist or that it's just part of their marketing to kind of keep it under wraps. But to me, when you don't see a lot of the actual plot line of the movie, it's because they're trying to keep it under wraps a la Don't Worry Darling, right? Where I feel like what we saw in the trailers for that was not indicative of what actually happens in the movie. And I think that's what's going on here. We're getting a lot of misdirection. The tone of it definitely feels comedic, but I think it's going to speak to a lot of deeper life, uh, existential crises type meanings in it. A lot of people have pointed out that in the background, when they pass the movie theater, there are posters of The Wizard of Oz, and then you see Barbie played by Margot Robbie in this very gingham, Dorothy reminiscent dress. And I just feel like that's almost too obvious of a connection, right? Because you have Dorothy who's living in this very drab gray world and then she lands in Oz and it's so technicolor and bright. And then I think we have, you know, the opposite with Barbie that she's in this technicolor world and she's going out into the drab real world. But that just seems too obvious to me. Like I feel like Greta Gerwig wouldn't go that obvious. 
maybe she will, but I just think there's going to be some other twist and I wish I could somehow get my mind around what it's going to be. But this cannot just be like a life-size remake, you know? Even though life-size is incredible and everything I want in a movie, I think about it quite often, very fondly. Sadly, the sequel left a lot to be desired, but the original movie, Tyra Banks and Lindsay Lohan's best work. I mean, no notes. Stunning from start to finish. But yeah, let me know if you guys are equally as excited about the Barbie movie. It comes out in July and that feels so far away. I know it'll literally be here before I know it, but I'm counting down the days. It's been a while since I've been so excited about a movie. Honestly, Don't Worry Darling might have been the last one I was super excited about. And then it was kind of a letdown. So let's hope this doesn't go the same route. But speaking of Barbies, let's get into our first article of the day. Our first article is Barbie Ferreira didn't want to be the fat best friend. I'm sorry. Can we just point out that transition, though, guys, from Barbie a la Mattel to Barbie Ferreira? I mean, I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back for that one. <laughs> this article is by Danielle Cohen. So, you know, there had been a lot of talk and gossip about Barbie Ferreira exiting Euphoria. I spoke about it on here. There's been a lot of grumblings about Sam Levinson. Again, I've spoken about it here. He gives me the creeps. I'm not a fan of his practices. And I know that's easy for me to say when I'm just reading articles and whatever. But I talked about him on the set of, uh, what is it called? Idol, the one with Lily Rose Depp and The Weeknd. And I was disturbed by that in much the same way I was when I was reading about euphoria and some of his directorial choices on set. So when Barbie left the show, the main gossip mill information that was going around was that she had creative beef with Sam Levinson and that he wasn't taking the character where she wanted it to go. So she was recently on armchair expert, which is Dax Shepard's show. And she had the following to say, and she she basically denied having any bad blood with Sam Levinson. She says, when people ask me about season two, they come at me like I was some sort of victim. I'm always like, no, it's okay. Promise. It's good. I kind of got sucked into this drama that I never asked to be in and that I never talked about. Don't believe everything you read. So she called her departure a mutual decision saying that none of the viable storylines for her character would have, quote, fit into the show. She said, I don't think there was a place for her to go about Kat, her character she played. I really wanted to be able to not be the fat best friend. She called season two a struggle for her and Levinson, saying that she felt like maybe I overstayed my welcome a little bit. And according to her account, they were largely on the same page about what was best for her character. She said, Sam writes for things that he relates to. I don't think he relates to Kat. I like Kat, so I get to go on my own path. I think you really have to read between the lines with what she's saying here. First off, I have to give her props for this being a very measured, I would say mature response. I think she could have popped off a lot more. And a lot of people I think are reading this as like, oh, there was no bad blood. Like she's saying, you know, don't believe everything you read about. But I think there's something to be said for the fact that she says straight up, I wanted to be able to not be the fat best friend. And then going on to say that Sam can only write things he relates to and he was not able to write Kat in a way that she agreed with. And I think that's so upsetting because I think so many people were really inspired by seeing a character 
like cat on screen who as bonkers as she was and so out there and i think you know being a cam girl in high school like there's a lot to be said about that and how that's problematic but i think she represented someone who really came into her own and found this confidence and you know was able to kind of go after this guy of her dreams like ethan and maybe he wasn't her guy of her dreams at the time but kind of became that and I just think for a lot of girls who are, you know, curve, I, I wouldn't even say Barbie's particularly plus size, but we're so used to seeing such small bodies on TV that I think it was refreshing to see her character. And you don't ever want a character like that just reduced to their size. And she brought so much life and, you know, vivaciousness to her character that it's going to be, I think, very noticeably absent from this new season. And I think it's why people were so upset not seeing a lot of her in season two, because she really just brought such this unique presence. And I've seen Barbie in other movies. I think she is such an incredible actress. And again, it's just sad whenever we have these characters and we make their weight such a part of their storyline when it just doesn't have to be. It's honestly so often the least interesting thing about the character and I don't understand why it has to be such a focus. So it's sad to me that Levinson couldn't take her creative feedback to make this character even better and more integrated in the show and it just affirms to me that I think it's kind of his way or the highway and again I think she's being very respectful and deferential to him and his creative decisions but he needs a reality check and again I know I say everything like I don't have a leg to stand on I've never been in the entertainment business it's just me splicing together things I've read and going off a general vibe um but I just think this man needs to be put in place he is a classic nepo baby doing whatever the fuck he wants and I just wish Barbie the best because I hope she can find roles that really highlight what a great actress she is and don't focus on her weight as a storyline all right, swinging the very opposite direction, we have Gwyneth Paltrow has won her ski tra- crash trial by Bindu Bansanath and Claire Lampin. I heard someone saying that her weird what I eat in a day where she just talks about basically eating like almonds and bone broth uh, was to distract from this case. And I sort of believed that. But now I'm like, nah, she was really eating that. That's definitely believable. That's all she eats. And B, I think she kind of wanted this trial to be a media circus. I think this is going to push Gwyneth back in the media eye just how she intended it to. And I think we're going to see her, you know, taking on more acting projects because she hasn't been acting recently, pushing goop in a way we haven't even seen before. I mean, it's kind of the publicity she couldn't even dream of. I also find it fascinating that I think a lot of people were siding with Gwyneth on this. And Gwyneth is classically sort of lambasted by everyone, you know, and just being kind of this like goopy joke and just so privileged and so living in a different realm and lacking awareness that for people to side with her on this is masterful on her part and on her attorney's part. And... um <laughs> I I also wanted to talk about this because I am a menace on the mountain. Uh, When I was younger, oh my gosh, I think I was like 12. I was skiing for one of my first times skiing. Again, I'm a Florida girl. I did not grow up on the slopes. And we were in Tennessee, which does not... (laughs) 
have great skiing conditions, honestly. We were in Gatlinburg. It was all man-made snow. It had become pretty icy. And I ran into my great uncle at full force. So my grandma's brother. And, you know, he wasn't exactly a spring chicken at that time. And I took him out, like literally just rammed into the back of him. And obviously when you're skiing, the people in front of you have the right of way. They can't see you. You have to defer to them, move around them. And I 100% did not do that. I just took him out. So this was a story that I personally could relate to. And then I was skiing more recently. I think it was back in like 2018, 2019. And I hurt my knee so badly. It still pops sometimes. I think I tore some sort of ACL, MCL, some of the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. Um, And I have not been on the slopes since then because it was so traumatizing. So... (laughs) You know, these all of these ski terms coming into play and them arguing over who hit who. Um, her team did a really great job of making the plaintiff, this man who's an optometrist, look like a complete kooky, just out of his mind, having memory problems, making up stories. They just did a great job of completely invalidating his side of events. And she sought a dollar in damages when she countersued him, plus her attorney's fees. She ended up winning. And it was eight days of testimony. People were watching this like a hawk. It's kind of similar to how people were watching the Johnny Depp trial. But yeah, the fact that they found that Uh, Sanderson, the plaintiff, was 100% at fault for the collision. You know, I mean, good on Gwyneth. And I was so puzzled when I heard this case was going to trial. Um, You know, I just think it's, it's rare, A, that civil cases go to trial, just in general. It's rare because people want to settle. They don't want to go to the riskiness of trial and sit through all of that when it could completely not go their way. It's a huge risk to take, when, especially when you are the plaintiff and you can just settle. So for the jury to basically believe that this man, you know, flew into Gwyneth from behind versus the other way around, I wonder if one of the things they took into account was the fact that Gwyneth would not be fighting this so tooth and nail if she didn't believe she was in the right. Because that's something that I would struggle with. You know, lawyers are never chosen to be members of the jury I feel like for this very reason because if I was looking at this case I'd be like well why would Gwyneth put herself through all of this if she wasn't the one not in the wrong because otherwise it's just she should she would have just settled and again that's not a great way of looking at it or a fair way of looking at it but just when I've seen things like this play out it's hard not to view it that way like she really thought this was bullshit or she wouldn't have gone this far that's at least my take on it so I didn't even watch any of her testimony, but people said she came off kind of likable on the stand, which again is the dichotomy of Gwyneth. She can say the most out-of-pocket, out-of-touch things, but then she can be really charming. And I think it's kind of because she's grown up with so much privilege that I always say that like rich people like that, they walk through the world with an ease that most of us will never be able to experience. And I think that ease and that confidence really probably came across on the stand and to the jury. One of the catchphrases that the press has been using and the cut did as well is that she won the trial, but she lost a half day of skiing. (laughs) 
And they've also picked up on the fact that after it, the verdict was read, she apparently walked over to the plaintiff and said, I wish you well. And he purportedly replied, thank you, dear. So, you know, all's well that ends well for Gwyneth. But I do feel I, I honestly do feel bad for this guy that he's now on the hook to pay her attorney's fees because I guarantee she hired a very high billing attorney and their fees are probably astronomical. All right, from one Nepo baby on to the next, we have Zoe Kravitz on her number one dinner party rule. So I love when The Cut gets these little short interviews with celebrities just because they are the ambassador for a brand. So right now, Zoe Kravitz is the ambassador for Omega. She's hawking one of their watches. So we have some answers about watches and jewelry. And I think Zoe Kravitz is just so effortlessly cool and fashionable. And I guess that's what happens when you have Lisa Bonet and Lenny Kravitz as your parents. It just kind of <laughs> comes naturally. And she's obviously so gorgeous. So I love hearing her talk about style. And she says, I wear watches like I wear jewelry. So when I put something on, I leave it on for a month. It's weird. A lot of friends of mine are like, how do you sleep in chunky rings? And I just do, which I relate to that because I have, you know, 14 piercings. I have welded on bracelets. I sleep in my necklaces all the time. It's why I have to have full gold stuff because otherwise I'm too lazy to take that shit on and off. Like who has the time for that? My little sister, she cannot have a single item of jewelry on her body when she goes to sleep. And I'm like, the fact that you take all that time to take it off at night, like good for you. I'm proud of you, but that could never be me. She says, for night events, I prefer a smaller watch and something bright and gold so it feels like a statement piece. If I wear all silver or all gold, it will be a month-long phase, and I kind of dress around my jewelry. So we love that. She says that uh, she loves Steve Lacey's album right now. She loves Just Kids, uh, which is Patti Smith's book. She says it's her favorite book. She's read it over and over again. And she also loves The Bear. She calls it phenomenal, which I agree. It's great. And I think season two is coming back very soon. And Swarm, which I've heard about Swarm. I kind of I want to watch that. I've heard it's very good. So they ask her what her dinner party etiquette rule is. And she says, I try to not have phones at the dinner table, not even put it on the table, leave it in your purse, check it if you need to, which I totally agree with that. I mean, I'm guilty as much as the next next person of checking my phone when I'm out with someone, but I really try to be present and not look at my phone. And usually when I'm out with people, I don't want to be looking at my phone because I want to be around that person and I'm interested in what they have to say and I don't want them to feel like I'm not paying attention to them. So I try to be mindful of this, but it is hard in this day we live in. And I thought this was really cute. She's asked if you could travel back in time, what's the moment you would go back to? And she says, I go back to being a kid. Both my grandmothers are past now, so I'd like to spend some time with them. If I could spend a day with them, it would be amazing. Like that made me tear up. It's so cute and true and lovely. Um, and she's is then asked, what advice would you give to people looking to hone in on their personal style? And she says, people should really dress not based on a trend, but rather on what they want to express. Sometimes I wake up and I feel more masculine and I want to channel that. And I think it's sexy and fun. So it's about checking in with yourself first. And the reason I stick with the same jewelry for a while, I like when things kind of become a part of you, when it's not like it's on you, but you're melded together. So I'll wear the same t-shirt a lot and the same jewelry. It kind of becomes you. And again, I agree with that. It really just melds into you as a person. Do you guys ever think about who you would like to be for a day? I really think I could get down with being Zoe Kravitz for a day. I mean, just to be as cool as her, as stunning as her, get to go hang out with her family. I'm not really into Channing Tatum, but like that could be kind of interesting. 
<laughs> seeing what it's like to date Channing Tatum. Uh, I don't know. All right, guys, we've made it to our blind item of the week. I had to focus on Miss Gwyneth Paltrow herself. I was reading through, there was a lot of stories of uh, crazy days and nights talking about Gwyneth and he always calls her the goopster which is just not that creative honestly like I feel like he could have gone a little more creative with that but this is a very recent blind item this is from March 23rd 2023 my normal disclaimer these are blind items they're not journalism you know take it with a grain of salt he says, try as she might to not be photographed at a certain angle. The A-list actress has been unable to keep track of all the cameras in court. First of all, I have to say calling Gwyneth an A-list actress is really false. I'm sorry. She's definitely a solid, solid A-list status. He says, so the world now knows about her full facelift. I'm sure she will tell us it's a product or something, but just look at the earlobe. Don't let her tell or sell you something that says otherwise. So he's saying that she 100% got a facelift. Okay, I need to go look up a photo of this, and I'm going to give my honest opinion on what I think. Okay, I just scrolled for a bit. The first issue is that Gwyneth has her hair down every day, and she usually has it in front of her ear. But there are many times where it is pulled back behind her ears. And I feel like if she was really trying to hide a facelift scar, she would have made sure that her hair stayed in front of her ears. My other thought is that Gwyneth does not look particularly young. She looks good. She's a stunning woman. I mean, her her mom is Blythe Danner. I think they look very similar. But Gwyneth is 50 years old. And I'd say looking at her face, especially in these court photos where she's wearing pretty minimal makeup, doesn't look professionally done, maybe was professionally done to look very minimal. I would not put that past her. Um, I think she looks 50. Like she looks good, but her face doesn't look particularly taut. I also think she looks older because she is so thin. And whenever you lose a lot of volume in your face, it ages you that's just sort of a matter of fact and she doesn't look like she has any fillers um so yeah I I don't know if I buy that she had a facelift and I could not see any evidence of a scar again would not be the first time someone has got a facelift and not told us about it and been cagey about it like that I buy I just I don't know if I think she did and honestly, I think it's so fun to surmise on whether people got plastic surgery because you guys know I love plastic surgery. I will shout it from the rooftops what I got done. So I, I wish they'd be more open about it, but I, I don't think it's harmful to surmise what they had done. But I think my final consensus is that she has not had one done yet. And if she did, it's a very subtle one. Guys, we made it to legit shit and I totally forgot to tell you this story. So I'm going to incorporate this story into what my legit shit is for the week. So last Friday, I went to an event that Iris Apple was hosting. She was selling jewelry from her actual collection. And sadly, I did not have the funds to get a piece of her jewelry, but they were so cool. And if you don't know Iris Apple, she's she's 101 years old. She's a style icon. Watch the documentary on her if you haven't yet. She's known for wearing really colorful outfits with ton of bangles. When I saw her, it was an event at the Norton Museum, which is right down the street from me. Uh, and she looked so cute. She had her hair back in a little ponytail. She was wearing the cutest bright outfit as usual. So many bangles, so many necklaces. 
And she is, again, very old. She's 101, and it was a little sad seeing that she clearly is, I think, maybe struggling with her eyesight because I bought this little mirror from Ciate. They did a collab with her because that was the only thing I could afford. (laughs) It's like $18. And she signed it for me, and she was having trouble, like, putting her pen on the actual mirror. But And she seems to have trouble hearing, but she still seems very, like, with it as far as understanding, being able to converse. She has assistants with her and they were like, oh, we love your shoes. Show her your shoes. And she asked me where my shoes were from. And I was so honored. And they're from Kurt Geiger. So it was hilarious because I was like, Kurt Geiger. And she's like, what? And I'm like, Kurt Geiger. And she keeps asking what. And her assistant is like yelling at her like in a nice way, but like so she can hear it. They're like, Kurt Geiger. And she's like, oh, like clearly she had never heard of Kurt Geiger. That is a brand that is like below her, I guess. And so finally I just go, I got it from Bloomingdale's. And then she just nods her head and she's like, oh, okay. But she was just so cute. And I I wish she could live forever. Um, It's just so such a style icon like beyond uh so i am linking the little mirror that i got in case you want to match me i love it for holding and doing my makeup because obviously so many of our palettes these days have mirrors in it but i kind of hate holding the palette because a lot of times they're dirty they have powder on them it like falls in my lap and i have a vanity with a mirror but sometimes it's not close enough to my face like i want to be right up in there when i'm doing stuff so i really recommend getting a little hand mirror and again if you want to match me this one is only $12.60 on nordstrom rack i'm of course linking it in the show notes thank you guys so much for listening share this episode with a friend if you enjoyed it make sure you subscribe and please make sure you rate and review me on apple podcasts and spotify wherever you listen it means the world to me And I will see you guys next time. Bye.